Hey guys, welcome to the Seeds to Healing podcast. We're talking about mental health and giving tips and tricks and adding a Christian perspective. I'm Allie. I'm Iana. We're so excited that you're here listening to this week's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome hello, to hello. another episode of Seeds to Healing. Yes. Okay, we don't have our own, like... I wish we would. <laughs> we got to find how to put those in there. Yes. Um, I'm Ayana. I'm Allie. And we're... Seeds to Healing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. We're, we're jokesters today, y'all. Exactly. Um, I don't know. I say I'm excited for probably every episode, every topic. Yeah. Um, but I think this one is near and dear to mm-hmm. both of our hearts, and we definitely have some things to say. Um, yeah. So today we're gonna get into a very sensitive topic. So I actually want to do a little disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into it, uh, that this is not um political there's no political agenda going on here um and we want you to know that this is completely theoretical from a social work perspective and that we are not choosing or picking sides we're simply speaking from theory and from what we have been taught so that is our disclaimer Uh, anything that you want to add Anna? No, I think that's good. It is going to be a heavy topic. So if you feel like you have to listen to it in parts, please do. Um, And then, um, yeah, we're just talking about it, not from personal perspectives, um, but based off of knowledge and understanding with our um, degrees. Yep. Oh, did you hear that, y'all? She said degrees. Yes, I finished my master's. Yay! So... On our intro, actually, I need to listen to it again because I don't think we say it, but if we do, I'm going to change it because I'm no longer a grad student. I am an MSW. She's a master, y'all. Ching, ching, ching. Just kidding. (laughs) We really need sound effects. (laughs) For real. The struggle. Oh, man. But yeah, she is a master social worker. She graduated on Wednesday um, from, I believe it is Christian Baptist University. Yeah, or California Cal- Baptist, mm-hmm. California Baptist University. I forgive you, uh, CBU alumni. My bad. Um, but yes, so excited for her. So happy for her, and she is doing that thing. Oh, um, <laughs> all right. Okay. Enough being mushy. Here we go. <laughs> okay. So as we know in um the news that there um was um a, um a young african-american boy um was shot in the face after knocking um on the wrong door looking for his sister um he did not die he um wasn't critical do you know the update on that i think he, he's a- i Go. believe he i don't know if he's been released yet um, but he was in critical condition, but still alive, still very much alive, um, just re- in recovery as the last update that I have yeah. may or may not have been released. But of course, y'all can go educate yourselves. I mean that with love, but that's also a huge part of what I come from is 
definitely want to educate yourself. Yeah, um, his name is um Ralph Yarl. I'm so sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Um, but yes, Ralph was knocking on the door looking for his um younger sister when a 84 year old homeowner um shot him um twice. Um, yeah. So this of course um since another uprage that i think america has been going through um for centuries um it's something we saw really big in the pandemic um we saw this i mean we see it every year so to say that like it's big one year is kind of ridiculous we see this multiple times throughout the year when we have brianna taylor and floyd all like all of these things happening um, so we just wanted to come on here and have a conversation through the social work and therapist lens of why is this happening uh, and um, our thoughts on how do we fix it? What does this look like? Yeah. So <clears throat> um, one of the things that I, when thinking about talking about this with Allie, um, we came up with points to make sure that we were staying on topic. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we wanted to talk about was the ecological systems theory, which is a social work theory that basically looks at the individual at the center and how all of these levels um, kind of bleed into each other and affect one another. So you have your um, micro, which is the person, mm-hmm. macro, which is um, your community places that you reside. And then, oh, sorry, mezzo community schools and then you have your macro which is like um government all of the the bigger issues and how they all bleed into each other to affect that one person um when we're looking at this in um a micro way micro macro mezzo we see that they all bleed into each other so what our government has done towards people of different um races throughout the times so not only slavery but when we look on the drug on wars and we really look into that and what that means and when we look into um the crack epidemic which is basically the same thing but all of it and how it's kind of implanted in certain areas um when we look at the black wall street that was in tulsa oklahoma that was burned down when we look at all of these things um at certain parts our government did have a thing to play in that especially when we look at slavery until civil war and then late even later further through that but um the government led it and so it bled into all these things so when we look mm-hmm. at um when we look at the macro part so even looking at schools communities um there are still some districts that don't sell um to black people or when they do the houses go down so other people start moving because the house depreciation goes down um when we look at school systems schools weren't built with african-american children in mind um they were built for white children and we can go back and look at um, ruby bridges who was one of Mm -hmm. the first african-american girls to go to school and what that time was like for her um and how um that impacts and how there is a pipeline for african-american boys that um starts in school and the moment they start messing up or having difficulties it pushes them further and further down the pipeline to prison because instead of understanding that they need help or they're just a little bit more um friendly or like to make people laugh or because they speak in a bonnet that they're um that they're dumb that they're not going to be able to read that they won't be allowed to any things and these are things that teachers have said 
Um, and some teachers do still say, not all, of course, we're not excluding everybody to say right. it. it would be crazy, but these are still areas that bleed into the beliefs that people have um, subconsciously. So we don't always think them, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe if you were to ask the homeowner, he may not have said he was racist, but obviously there was a thought and idea. Um, and not only in this aspect, but when we're looking at the whole um, issue together so like with Brianna Taylor and Floyd like if you ask them they would have said they're they're not racist but there's things that have been piling in from the outside that has been affecting them the way that they're taught right so um that um so sorry back to the pipeline that pushes them back down the pipeline through Mm -hmm. the things that they're learning the educational systems um still African-American, predominantly African-American schools that are in lower income places are given the worst textbooks. They're giving mm-hmm. out-of-date textbooks. They're giving um, the low of the low, whereas when you go higher up, even the, the public schools that are in higher up places are just better. They have mm-hmm. the newer things. They have the best things. And so um, that bleeds into what we believe about the people that live there as well. Um because we think that they're dumb and it's not that they're dumb, but the tools that we're giving them is out of date and old and most of the pages are probably missing. So like, how how do we expect someone to learn the same if we're not giving them the same tools? Um, and right. then, yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. So one thing I want to add with that is it's speaking to the fact that we know historically mm-hmm. that the minority community has not been given the proper resources needed. So yes, school, huge area. Another area is in mental health, in social services, all of those things that bleed down from government, down to community, down to the individual um, have been lacking or lackluster in minority communities. And that has a huge impact on what these individuals actually, one, know that they have access to Mm -hmm. and know that they can get help in. And two, their ability to work out of things like poverty, to work out of things like low income housing, um, because these are these are the fundamentals that, you know, were strategically, unfortunately, strategically um, manipulated so that certain communities of people weren't able to, quote unquote, take over or um do do just as much or the same as other communities of people Mm -hmm. i think uh, that's such a good point and i think another thing to even think about when we look at those um predominantly black areas is like i think a topic that has been coming up a lot that i've been trying to do more research on is how many um like uh liquor stores are in those vicinities compared Mm -hmm. to grocery stores like there's liquor stores everywhere in the communities that are predominantly black and brown um in areas where there should be grocery stores there's more liquor stores and and when you come up higher to where more um where there's more white individuals living in that area there's more grocery stores you don't really find liquor stores if you do they're like the really fancy ones or they're like attached to the grocery store whereas when you go to a certain level there there's everywhere um i think trapping people in a cycle right um Mm -hmm. if you can't buy groceries you can't go to the store to buy juice but you can go to the store to buy alcohol what are you going to get i think that um the way that we have built um, 
communities is um, incorrect for the growth of all people. But I also think that it, it was strategic. So that way things could stay in this cycle, which again, bleeds into the individual. Um, and this is twofold, right? So the individual could be um, the African-American, the individual could be somebody who's Latino, whatever the individual looks like. And also when we're looking at the individual of the white, that all of these things are coming in, they're also seeing everybody else's um, depiction, right? So when we see African-Americans going to the lesser schools, we think that they're dumb, that they're not supposed to be there. And when they do, or if they do get the chance to transition to the um, higher public schools, it's a lot of, um, could be a lot of bullying because they don't think they're supposed to be there. They should go back to whatever school protecting Mm -hmm. their territory type of things, which is all subconsciously and consciously both um, playing a role into their beliefs which then right. gets down to the individual um, who has all these known beliefs, subconscious beliefs, um, which I think goes great into your next point, Ellie. Yes. Um, nice little segue there, uh, which I feel is all about transgenerational influences. Um, in, in If we're staying to the, you know, the ecological perspective, it's basically the, um, it would really be the meso and, and, um, micro Mm -hmm. influences is you know the community the family influences the individual right so if we're talking about minorities right um it can honestly it goes both ways um there are certain beliefs and morals and values that have been instilled in the minorities against the uh, majority and there have been beliefs and morals and values that have been instilled in the majority against the minorities and um, it just takes one person in your family to instill a belief in you for you to carry it right and so a lot of the times these things are ingrained right i'm gonna speak to both sides right um speaking first to minorities unfortunately there are because of the upbringing and the background and the ancestral influences there are minorities who do carry the ideology that they are against the white man Mm -hmm. um and that is influenced through generational transgenerational um narratives right um and that you know they do have to pretty much um work their way out of things and work their way up things and and have to fight against the majority right that's a common belief that's 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 um instilled through generations Mm -hmm. and then the other of course we know a common majority influence unfortunately is that they are um certain superiorities that are kind of implemented into i'm being very strategic with my words y'all um there are yeah superiority beliefs where you know family members believe in the majority that you know they are above because of ancestral influences and in the re- it goes again it goes back to the resources they were given different resources that then implemented to them we have more opportunity or we have a different opportunity than those that are you know, of a different identity than us, right? Mm -hmm. And so, again, it just takes one individual, one family member for a belief system to be created. And so what I really wanted to touch on with this when we talk about um, violence against others, right? Um, The situation that happened with this little boy and this neighbor, 
uh, we we oftentimes get very angry with the individual that accuses the that is the aggressor, which mm. is completely understandable. I'm not saying that he's right at all, um, but I'm also saying that a lot of the times these things are occurring subconsciously. This hate, this um, this belief system is happening subconsciously, just like we would have the beliefs. Like Ayana and I are are Christian women, right? Like we have our own belief system that are just in, like we just believe it, right? And it's not really a question of or a doubting of. It's it's a knowing, right? Mm-hmm. And so, just like we have that belief, we have the uh, those morals that come with it, those values that come with it. Unfortunately, it can work on the flip side as well. And mm-hmm. what I'm saying with that is that people do these things without even thinking about it. It is almost, unfortunately, second nature to these individuals. And again, not saying that it's right, but it's just bringing that perspective, right? That it these influences are strong. These mindsets are strong. These beliefs are strong. Um, and it, these things can occur and do occur almost at a subconscious level, meaning like out of like you know not unbeknownst to them they're doing what they believe truly believe just like we carry our own belief system this is a this is just an aspect unfortunately of their belief system so um that's just something really big that I wanted to kind of get out there and pose that right Mm -hmm. um and then I'll I'll elaborate on it when we get to the latter question for sure Mm -hmm. but anything that you want to add on that um no I think that was really good and I think that's so important um both things that you talked about there to look at um just transgenerationally even though we think we separated from it or it's Mm -hmm. not as vocal it's still there until it's broken um which is like um something that when you think about you can kind of see like oh that makes sense on why certain things are done a certain way or why I naturally do certain things even though I know it's not right or um, I don't want to be doing it what yada yada whatever that looks like um but yeah no I think that um we do have to take in consideration um what that means and that's not a slap on the wrist it's giving it can help to give us an answer of why so um a lot I think a lot of the times when things like this happen the questions that automatically pop up in our mind well the things that pop up are of course one rage um but when we look anger uh, we talked about this in the live before but anger is a secondary emotion which means that there's other things under your anger icebergs that's coming up so you're feeling enraged because you feel unsafe um because it's another person dying because you're sad because you're confused how is this happening again and we keep having these conversations and nothing is being done about it is because there's thousands of people and thousands of families who still have this transgenerational belief and understanding that this is how it goes um certain individuals are dangerous certain individuals are safe and how do you protect yourself a get me before i get them mentality which is it isn't right but it can help us I think that's the biggest thing that I want to stress is that it's, is it right? No, but it can help us understand why people do certain things that they do. Right. Mm-hmm. So the next question um, or the biggest thing, another area we wanted to talk about is how do we fix it? Right. Is it fixable? Ooh. Um, yeah. So I think like you were talking about before, you know, we began recording, I think it's important to remember that 
it's not just something that can be done immediately. It's not going to be something that's going to be done immediately. Um, and from my perspective, clinically, I'm always coming from the approach of like least invasive, right? Mm-hmm. So what that means to me is the the babyest of baby steps um, that can be done to then affect, you know, a more, you know, long-term answer, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, like it, it starts with, and y'all are probably going to look at me crazy or maybe not, but it starts with boundaries, right? And being able to be like, begin establishing boundaries. Because I think one thing that we aren't taught is a lot, a lot of the times within family systems, we're not taught that boundaries are okay to have with family members, yeah. I believe. And yes. so I believe that there are genuine judgments within children and teens from right to wrong right and i i would be shocked to um find out if if an individual was brought up and genuinely thought that you know the the thought of racism or the thought of um having less resources is okay right um and so I think there are certain things within society that we just know are not right, right? And so I would say if you know that something doesn't sit right with you or you know something to you is not right, but you're being told something differently, it's okay to have boundaries in your own beliefs, in your own morals, in your own values. And if it goes against, um, and I'm in no way promoting disrespect to family members, there is right. an appropriate way to set healthy boundaries. Um, now with that being said is I'm basically saying like if you if you know it's not right if you know it's not something you're comfortable with if you know that you don't want to truly like believe that it's okay to set a boundary because I believe that yeah. that's kind of where things have gone ar- awry in the family system is that yeah. people don't set boundaries and just believe and take in what they're being told because it's a parent or it's a grandparent or you know mm-hmm. it's 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 that thought process that I have to believe what they believe I have to I have to take that on not really you can set your own boundaries and create your own belief system right I agree I agree with that but I think that's so vital um in looking at the transgenerational curses is um when you know it's wrong don't follow through with it like um and also to a certain degree be prepared for the repercussions of whatever that may be Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you see family members who are stuck in this cycle, um, of mm-hmm. believing not only maybe about African-Americans, but about people in general, about women, about, um, homeless individuals, whatever it is. Um, I think those are certain hills that we have to be willing to die on. It's just to say that that may be your belief, but it's not mine. Um, and that's how those, um, curses kind of get broken because then you're not allowing it to be passed down to your children you're not allowing it to um, run its course through you or whatever it looks like so I think that's a great point can uh, you tap into that for a minute for those yeah. of you know those of uh, our followers that may be believers or may be new to the faith and or may not mm-hmm. have um, Christian beliefs and and don't understand what you mean when you say generational curse yeah, of course. So um, as a Christian, um, we believe that there are generational curses. This is something that we see um, through Adam and Eve. Um, generational curses are things that um, 
are transgenerational. They just get stuck in the family ties. So um, if your grandfather was an alcoholic, your dad's an alcoholic, there is a transgenerational curse on its probably on its way if you haven't already broken it, that you may be an alcoholic. And so these transgenerational curses come for all of us. We all have one. Um, that kind of affects all families. It could be adultery, it could be addictions, it could be alcoholism, it could be anger, like you could just have this rage where you just want to fight anybody, aggression, whatever that looks like, um, that just kind of cycles through each generation. Um, and the only way that it gets broken is one consciousness. So when you're aware of it, um, if you know that your grandfather um, let's just use the same example. If you know that your grandfather was addicted to alcohol, um, your dad was addicted to alcohol, and you know that we already know from those two patterns that there's a likelihood that you can. So what are we putting in place to make sure that that doesn't happen? And as extreme as you need to go or whatever, we pray about it, right? We break those chains off of you. And then just like we talked about last week, um, we sweep up the debris. So what boundaries are you putting into place to make sure that we are, um, not um yeah what are you putting into place to sweep it up to make sure that we're not just um I think it goes back to the same thing we said at the last um podcast that chains can be broken and so mm -hmm. they have no power and no stronghold over you but it's mm -hmm. a habit that you formed so and, and until you put up those boundaries to stop those habits it'll seem like it's still there so of course mm -hmm. breaking the strongholds off um, breaking that generational curse off through prayer, get with your pastors, uh, get with people you trust, and then create out, create boundaries. What are we doing to make sure that you don't end up there or that you stay out of there? Because generational curses can be broken in the middle. So it doesn't have to be happened before. Um, we would pray that everybody would do it before. Mm -hmm. But if you find that you're struggling with alcoholism and this has been something that goes down the family line, let's break it while you're in the midst of it, get you out of it. So that way it doesn't continue to go down the line. Right. Um, I hope that makes sense. Makes sense. I got it. Yes. <laughs> and I think lastly, the thing that I want to add before we jump off of here is that um, there's no quick fix to this answer. This right. is something that um, America as a whole, um, as a society has been dealing with since slavery, since mm -hmm. before then, when we talk about how the land was taken and when we go back to Columbus, like this is something that um, has has been a world struggle for ever. Um, mm -hmm. So there is no quick fix. There's no one band and it's all done. Um, there are, as we see through the ecological models or the ecological theory, there are so many things that impact this. Um, so many things that bleed into one that bleed into the other. Um, I think one thing that I think does need to happen that can help is people need to be, um, their hands need to be held to the fire. Mm -hmm. um, so if something happens like this, they need to get their families deserve justice one and two, the other person deserves the consequences that are happening uh, or whatever that may be, because if it were to be the other, other way around, it would be um, handled differently. Yeah, it would be, it would look different. So making sure that the standard is held for individuals, for humans, right. not for white individuals, not her, for Hispanics. And that's across the board with right. punishments and with justice, because we've seen in the justice realm, um, I intern there and I see it a lot that um, a lot of white individuals can get a lot more slack than black individuals for the same crime, the same criminal back 
history. So mm-hmm. with that being said, it just needs to be a, a, a one line in the sand for everybody. Mm-hmm. Where's our line in the concrete? This is what you get. This is what happens. Um, because already through that, that's another e- ecological mac- uh, micro that's pouring into that as well, which is a whole nother topic that I could go on. Right. But um, I think it's just holding people's feet to the fire making sure that we're giving everybody the correct justice and making sure that there's a line in the concrete about what that looks like. And we're keeping it for all humans, not a certain race, not a certain gender, not a belief, not a, um, uh, sexuality, nothing that is a line in the sand for all humans, because at the, uh, at the end of the day, we are all valued. We all have dignity and we are all loved and we deserve to be treated as such. Um, even individuals who do crimes have family members that love them. Um, the victims have family members that love them. Um, mm-hmm. So where is our line in the sand? Because if the roles were reversed, we'd be praying for the same thing. Right. Yeah. Excellently, excellently said. I'm so proud of us. Look I that. know. Y'all, we got through that. We did. Uh, but again, we know it's heavy. We know it may be triggering. We know that um, it may be hard to hear, but again, we love y'all. We love all people, um, regardless of where they stand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so again, with that being said, this is this is probably a topic that we may pick up on in in other episodes. We may be doing a part two. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but again, disclaimer: we definitely want y'all to know that this is not a political agenda, and we are truly just speaking from our social work knowledge, and this is genuinely what they teach us in um, our schooling and in our training. And so we just wanted to extend that competence to you, that, you know, cultural competence, that cultural influence, and the the theology behind social work is the ecological perspective. We're always looking at the greater to the middle to the man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I hope that you guys at least learn something new if you sparks any questions of course like we always say follow us on social dm us um check us out on youtube um and spotify and apple music or apple music apple podcast um where you can continue to follow along yeah all righty well we will see you guys in a couple weeks bye bye Thank you guys so much for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. We are going to be dropping episodes every other Monday. So tune in. Yeah, guys. Thank you so much. If you'd like to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram at seeds to healing and also go ahead and jump over to YouTube and subscribe to our channel seeds to healing as well. Yep. Bye. Bye.